The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to your ancestors, you shall not kill, and whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Again, you've heard that it was said to your ancestors, Do not take a false oath, but make good to the Lord all that you vow. But I say to you, do not swear at all. Let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no. Anything more is from the evil one. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, good morning, everybody, and praise the Lord for another glorious Sunday. And it's also a great Sunday for our country, isn't it? It's Super Bowl Sunday, which is one of those weirdest, biggest events as part of our national identity, as millions of us will gather today at people's homes for our Super Bowl parties which is actually a great opportunity, by the way. As you gather with your family and friends and your neighbors, the Super Bowl is a great time to share Catholic fun facts, by the way. <laughs> it really is, during the halftime show. I want to lay out some fun Catholic facts. What is, in the United States, the largest private education system? Us! The Catholic Church, we are the largest in the United States. We run 6,429. So share that between guacamole and ribs. Huh? <laughs> they did a recent study by the, what's called, it's, a, it's an independent group, it's not a Catholic group at all. It's called the National Assessment of Educational Progress. A boring mouthful. But basically, this group, it studies and it tracks the education of the students of the United States. So it, kind of, it, it basically assesses their competence in different subjects. And so it said, according to the National Assessment of Educational Progress, that if the Catholic Church and our huge network of schools was comprised, and, and, and if you organize it as the 51st state of the United States, for example, and you compare our network of schools to all 50 states. Guess where our kids rank? Number one in all categories. We would be the number one state if we were indeed a state. And that's utterly amazing. Our kids outrank everybody in math, science, English, reading, I mean, you name it. It was just absolutely stunning which is a beautiful sign of the hard work and dedication, of course, of our teachers, our staff, and especially the parents. And here at, in our area, here we're blessed to have 
many options. We have, of course, Notre Dame across town at St. Joseph's. We have Valley of the Sacred Heart Academy in Dixon. We have our high school in Vallejo, St. Patrick's and Vincent's there, just to name a few. And it's amazing because it's part of our, nas- of our identity as Catholics. By the way, when that number of 6,429, that's just elementary and high school. That's not counting our Catholic universities. Whenever the Catholic Church enters a new region, as we attempt to spread, to build the church and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, we tend to do two things. We'll go into a new region and we'll build a school. Hence, we're the largest education network in the entire world, in fact, not just the United States. And also, the second thing we tend to do is we build a hospital, which is why another fun Catholic fact to share at the halftime show So what is the largest private healthcare system in the entire world? Us. Praise the Lord. More people are helped in our hospitals and taught in our schools than any other body. Entire human history. That's a bold claim, isn't it? So part of a few weeks ago, we had our Catholic Schools Week, which was to highlight the, the beauty of our schools and Mrs. Bauer across town, who was the principal of Notre Dame, invited me over to have and to spend some time with all 300 of the kids there. Because as you know, 90% of the time when you interact with me, especially parishioners and even the kids, it's usually before or after Mass, which is not an ideal time, because I only have two seconds with you, and I say hi, good morning, and then you're off on your way, and there's so many people, there's so many things going on. And so Mrs. Bauer had the brilliant idea of inviting me over, and just to hang out with the kids, and the kids could ask me anything. It was basically a question and answer kind of thing. And it's beautiful with little kids, because when you give them freedom to ask questions, it reveals their minds and their hearts. So I go over there, we split the kids into two groups, smaller groups, from kindergarten to around fourth grade was one group, and then from fifth grade to eighth grade. And I just hung out with the kids, and they they just started throwing questions at me. Father, what's your favorite color? I tell them. Father, why do you wear a dress? <laughs> a dress? What are you talking about? He's talking about my black cassock that, that, you, that, you, that you see me wearing. And I told him, I yelled at him, it's not a dress. And I sent him to detention immediately. So. <laughs> Two months in detention. Father, what's your favorite food? Thought about it for a moment, and I said, fried chicken. The kids erupted in cheers, as if Justin Bieber had just walked in. It was, there must be chicken, fried chicken fans in in Vacaville here, for whatever reason. And then, a little girl in the front, sheepishly raised her hand. She's about third grade. She said, Father, she, she thought about it for a second. I said, yes. How do I know the scriptures are true? A third grader. And I said, yes! Good question! Amazing! 
How do we know the scriptures are true? I got got fired up. Why? Because I saw in her heart and her mind that she was critical about the biggest questions of existence. And she didn't just simply say, oh, I just, whatever you tell me, I'll just, I'll just believe it. The Catholic Church at its best always seeks to understand. And so I, t- so I told her an answer the best way I could for, from a third grade perspective. But let's keep building on it. How do we know God exists? Have you ever wondered that? How can we prove God's existence? Why are we even Catholic rather than some other church? Why don't we just go down the street? There's probably better preaching down the road. Not as long-winded homilies, huh? Why do we believe the Eucharist is Jesus Christ? Because our Protestant brothers and sisters don't believe that. Why? So I, so I saw and I, and I was so excited because I said, ask the questions. Because, my brothers and sisters, as amazing as our Catholic schools are, I and mean, it's amazing that we rank top in science and reading and all of the categories, absolutely, that's, that's, a, that's important. But the main goal of our Catholic schools is to make saints. That is why we build these schools. It's to get these kids into heaven. That is why. So they may encounter Jesus Christ. And all saints ask questions. Never, ever accept. Simply, why do we believe what we believe? Because I said so. The Catholic Church, at its best, always ponders and asks why. And so when I saw in her, I said, yes, push that questioning heart and mind of yours to the very end. Now even challenge the culture. What is the meaning of existence? Am I simply an, an evolved monkey? Do I have any dignity more than that? How can we prove God's existence? Is atheism, why, or why does atheism take more faith to believe rather than theism? What is, what, what is will money satisfy me? Because that's what the culture tells me. If I just buy enough stuff, and if my body looks a certain way, then I'll be happy. Is that true? Or does a human heart long for more? And so do you see why I got fired up when this third grader, and she was at mass yesterday, she was so excited that I called her out, she was just like, oh, waving her hands in the pews last night. She says, I'm famous, Father. It's a beautiful daughter of God, indeed. Keep pushing the boundaries, ask the questions, and understand why we believe what we believe. And here's the beauty of our Catholic faith is that everything we teach is 2,000 years consistent from the teachings of the apostles. And we have beautiful arguments while we believe what we believe, and it's never just because the Pope says so. Never have we ever said that. Now look at our Lord. We're continuing what we began a few Sundays ago. We recall, remember, Jesus ascends the mountain and he teaches us the Beatitudes. And remember, from a first century Jewish perspective, that is huge. 
whenever someone ascends a mountain in that Jewish worldview, mountaintops, remember what it means? It means an encounter with God. And as Jesus ascends the mountain, all the first century Jews knew. He's invoking the image of Moses from Exodus chapter 19. When Moses ascends a mountain, and God gives him the Ten Commandments. Jesus here mimics Moses as he ascends the mountain and gives us the, lays out the Beatitudes, the new moral requirements of the Christian and the kingdom that he's establishing. So this gospel we heard today is a continuation of Jesus on that mountain. And oh, his first century hearers, they would, their jaws would have dropped on that, during the sermon here. Listen now. Jesus speaks. You have heard that it was said to your ancestors, you shall not kill. Again, he's referring back to Exodus 19, the Ten Commandments. But I say to you, they would have been blown away by that statement. Because if God gave us the Ten Commandments through Moses, and then now Jesus says, you have heard that it was said to you, but now I say to you. Do you see what he just did here? Jesus is making himself above the Ten Commandments. And that immediately would have, would have, ra- would have just hit those Jewish hearers in the chest and said to Jesus, Jesus, you're making a divine claim because who else but God himself can make himself above the commandments? Do you see why they would have been absolutely flabbergasted at this? And then Jesus intensifies it. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. What Jesus here is doing now, he's taking the Ten Commandments and elevating them. Because every single one of us in here can follow the Ten Commandments externally. We can pay lip service to the Ten Commandments. But now with the coming of Jesus, God is no longer satisfied with the mere external practice. He's deepening it because now God wants our hearts. He wants to take the sinful heart of mine and he wants to transform it. He wants to take it and infuse it with his grace and change me and you and everybody here on earth. He wants to take this heart and through his grace make us saints. And immediately I'm sure everybody in here especially us men, my brothers, this high, lofty commandment, if you even look at a woman with lust, you have already committed adultery with her. And oh, we would have said immediately as men, Lord, what you're asking for is too hard. Why? When you go to your Super Bowl parties, glance at the sidelines, and you'll notice there are people dancing on the sidelines. Why is that? Have you ever wondered why? Why do NFL teams spend millions of dollars on that? Watch the beer commercials today, by the way. You'll notice a pattern. 
because he understands that the man's brain is wired for the visual. They understand that. And so that's what they appeal to. And so as men, and we say, Lord, how can we do this? Ah, but that's the point. Remember the first beatitude? Blessed are the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit is that Christian who says, Jesus, I cannot walk this walk without you. I need your grace to be holy and to be a saint. You see, the poor is that Christian who says, Jesus, I can't do this alone. And absolutely, by ourselves we will fail only with the grace of Jesus Christ. Can we truly live out the commandments that he's laid out now as he intensifies it on the mount? And this is where now I'm absolutely excited to tell you about something we're going to do as a parish. This November, this November, November 3rd through the 12th, make sure you grab a bulletin. Because this November, I want to invite you, we have an opportunity now as a parish family. I'll be leading a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. And I want to bring as many of us as possible. Well, there's only a few number of spots, just practically speaking. <laughs> so you got to get, I wish I could fill up 20 buses, but they only gave us, gave me one. So, but the reason why I think it would be a beautiful opportunity for us, so discern this and pray over it. I know it's a time commitment and it's a, it's not cheap because that's the way of inflation goes and the increase of travel. But I want to take us to the Holy Land. Because what happens when you go to the Holy Land and to see Nazareth where Jesus was raised by Mary and Joseph, to go to Bethlehem and to see where Jesus was born in the manger, to go to Calvary, and to touch the very rock where Jesus himself was hung upon that cross. Oh, it changes your entire view of Jesus Christ. And he stops becoming some mysterious figure up in the sky. But he becomes living, breathing. Make sure you grab a bulletin. When you do, if you turn to the inner page here, there's a detailed itinerary of all ten days. And we will go to all of the holy places with our Lord. Because the whole goal now of why St. Mary's exists, and if I do my job well as your priest, and if I stay faithful to the, to the decree of my ordination, is that you will encounter Jesus Christ. That is why St. Mary's exists. I want St. Mary's to be a saint factory. Every single one of us, could you imagine if every single one of us were saints, if I was a saint, and we radiated the love of Jesus Christ to all those we meet, oh, I guarantee you the great power we have as Christians completely given over to Jesus. Not mediocre Christians. Oh, there are plenty of mediocre Christians in the world. Not so among us here in Vacaville. Not so among us. I don't know about you, but I want to be the best Catholic I can be. 
Mediocre Catholics are the ones who hurt the world the, wo the most, especially mediocre priests. We're the worst ones. The world needs Christians who are on fire for the Lord. And that is why I want to take a, take a group of us to the Holy Land. Because <laughs> it will help encounter the Lord. Because imagine, I'll end here on this final note. Imagine reading the Sermon on the Mount on the exact same spot Jesus preached it. And we will do that. We know where it happened. There's a church, Catholic church, built on, on top of that spot. And we will go there and we will read the Beatitudes. It changes the way you read the Bible. So my friends, grab a bulletin. Pray about it. I know it's a, it's a huge sacrifice. If you want more information, it's all in here in the bulletin. It'll be on our website as well. And we also have it in Spanish too, so if you prefer to read it in Spanish, we have copies of it in the office. We're called to be great saints. That's why we're here. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.